0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. In a world that's perfect, lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. <laughs> Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for the Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Cullen. Chris, how the hell are you, my friend?
1: All things considered, Sam, I'm doing pretty well. But man, what a shitty Super Bowl that was Sunday, commercials and halftime show included.
0: Yeah, the uh, when your best commercial is about chunky milk, it's a bad season for <laughs> Super Bowl commercials. Uh, the halftime show was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. I actually made a bet. When I saw that he had a little zipper shirt underneath his jacket, I'm like, 10 to 1 odds. At the end of the show, he's basically naked. And I won the bet, so at least I won some money off of Adam Levine and Maroon 5's garbage halftime performance. And speaking of garbage Super Bowl performance, uh, I'd like to give it up for the Los Angeles Rams, who scored three more points than you or I did in the <laughs> Super Bowl, uh, losing to the New England Patriots 13-3. to The Patriots go on for their sixth Super Bowl title, Tom Brady is the greatest, Bill Belichick is the greatest, and I think the Patriots are the greatest, yay. (sighs) Um, But coming out of that, the very next day, as the uh, Boston media called it, the whirlwind for Brian Flores, who goes on from being the Super Bowl champion to holding a press conference as the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, where he is addressing the rumored – tanking of the Miami Dolphins next year. I mean, what a way from the penthouse to the outhouse. You go from winning a Super Bowl and then twelve hours later you're you're fielding questions from the new home media about, you know, what's it going to be like to lose on purpose. Uh I didn't I didn't actually listen to the press conference, Chris. I did read some of the transcripts, but you actually watched and listened to the press conference, right? Yeah, I was actually home on my lunch
1: break uh as it was happening and um, actually or I left early or something it was, it, it was at 4 o'clock, oh no I took Monday off I always take Super Bowl Monday off, sorry I was home, uh, it was 4 o'clock or so I turned it on uh, my phone, it was playing live uh, CBS 4 and I watched it and yeah I mean it was really funny Sam watching the press conference a complete contrast and difference between Flores and how he handled questions and things like that as opposed to Adam Gase who has actual experience in doing it uh, Flores was seemed very well mannered uh, well spoken repeated himself a couple times he'd like to just keep going back to um which i will say the media just fucking terrible in their questions it was like the same question just worded differently 10 times they're like you know how do you expect to win you know in the next four years he's like You know, you got to get a team together that uh, all buy into the system, that all understand that it takes hard work. Next question. They're like, all right, so instead of tanking, what kind of players do you want on your team? He's like, "Mm, like I said, players that are in the locker room and, like, practice as hard as they play. And next question. They're like, all right, so how are you going to have success as the first Honduran head coach? (laughs) I'm going to have to get the guys that are buying in. Like, it was the same question over and over again. No one asked, you know, you coached against these guys Two times this year, you know, what did you see on offense that you're excited about getting in a room uh, and getting in front of your new staff and what you can do with it? The defense giving Billichek fits, or why did you always uh, lose in Miami? Those questions weren't asked, and it really drove me crazy because it was—I mean, those are just softball questions. He played against us in the division. He obviously knows our roster. He obviously prepared for him. Ask him about Rashad Jones. You know, ask him about uh, our young linebackers. Uh, is he excited about coming on board? Because obviously, if he did. his homework and had a good interview, he knows these guys and knows what his plans are for the future. Yeah, he probably wouldn't have tipped his hat much, but... Ask him about it. I would like to see his body language when you ask him about uh, Baker or or, you know McMillan or Rashad Jones, you know Minka, Xavier Howard. Did you watch a Pro Bowl and see how he did? You know that's your new corner. Were you excited? I wanted to see his body language in his uh, answers to those questions. And they weren't asked. I felt the media dropped the ball big time.
0: Well, look, uh, South South Florida media, Miami media uh, hasn't been great when it comes to sports, in my opinion, um, at all. But uh, you know what? He's going to have to get used to that. I mean, he's from a big market with the New England Patriots. I'm sure he on some level has uh, caught some shit over the years and he's just gonna have to deal with a new level of stupid uh when he's sitting in that room (laughs) week in and week out but uh, one of the things that uh I think the media needs to get used to is the fact that Brian Flores is going to be here for a while. Did you see that all five years of his contract guaranteed? Are guaranteed. I mean, uh, coaching contracts in general are guaranteed, but essentially, what this is saying is that Stephen Ross is saying, "All right, you're a coach." Chris Grew is saying, "You're my guy. I hired you. Um, we're gonna we're gonna ride you know the bumpy waves together here for the next couple of years, and then get hopefully um, to the promised land after that." Because look, in five years, I think at that point. Um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will be retired. At least I hope <laughs> so. Maybe we have a chance at the end of his uh, first contract here with the Miami Dolphins. Um, but looking at this, you know, like we said, five-year contract, and uh, he was wearing the Miami Dolphins colors with the tie. He looked happy to be there. He looked excited to be, you know, yeah. a, a rookie head coach. Uh, one, well, a couple of people that didn't look excited. Chris, I, I was just looking at photos. Like I said, I did not watch the press conference, um, but I have looked at photos and I read the transcripts of it. And have you seen the photos of his children? Oh, yeah. Hey, like, where's this hot mess? What is this? They look absolutely confused and annoyed and pissed off. Well, his daughter off. was
1: crying throughout half of the press conference. Yeah. He even made a joke about it like, you know, she's trying to talk to me or something, but she was just not having any of it.
0: They are like, what the fuck? We had cool friends. We were popular. We had, uh, you know, we know Tom Brady. He's a friend of ours. And now we have to come down here and we have to wear these freaking colors because, uh, look, when you're a little kid and you're like, what is this? What are these colors? They just looked very confused about this whole thing. Like, what did we do wrong? Are we in trouble? How come we have to wear these colors? and be in this muggy city. But uh, I just thought it was funny to see the kids like, we don't give a shit. I mean, talk about being humbling. You're getting, you know, you just got a Super Bowl. You just got a head coaching gig. You have five years guaranteed. You're the man in charge of an NFL franchise. And uh, your kids are just there basically telling you you aren't shit.
1: Over under 20 players or staff members or front office members from the New England Patriots uh, that night as they're celebrating after the Super Bowl, over under 20, Sam, said close to the words, enjoy this, you'll never see it again to Brian Flores.
0: Oh, ooh, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit over. To I'm going to go over 20. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go under 20. You know, they're just why. like,
1: yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know exactly where I'm going with this.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go under 20 because I'm pretty sure Brian Flores is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here because i got to get down south and you know figure out how I'm going to talk about tanking while well, not tanking for the next couple of years. So I'm just going to say under 20 because of the fact that he just wasn't there. Um, but I will say this. As a Miami Dolphins fan, watching that Super Bowl, just tying it back to how we started the show, um, I did get a lot of texts and messages from people saying, hey, you must be uh, thrilled to see that your new head coach kept the, uh, almighty Los Angeles Rams to three points. And I'm thinking I'd be even more thrilled if they'd kept them to 14 points and lost the fucking game. I don't think anything would have changed on our, you know, for us or anybody else. Um, but it was a game plan that my goodness, if he did call those plays and he did help devise that scheme, um, he already had the interview, but I think this is one of those things where it made Chris Greer and Steven Ross and everybody else involved in the hiring process, walk around and go, see, I told you so.
1: Yeah, and it's exciting, too, for the players, I'm sure. Um, the Rams were pretty much, other than a few games, uh, just stomping teams and scoring 25, 40 points. McShay or McVay was like the the big hot commodity, literally all of his assistants. or The joke was if they touched him anytime in the last two years, they were getting interviews for jobs because they wanted the next big young head coach. Um, and I do actually like that Stephen Ross came out and did the complete opposite. He's like, I'm going to go out and get the guy that stopped him. You know, he, he found his kryptonite or found his, you know, if he can stop McVeigh. And uh, there's even proof during the Super Bowl, uh, Bilacek was mic'd up during the interception, I believe. Uh, Bilacek came over and like high-fived him, shook his hand or whatever, and said, good call. Like Flores was calling that defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he put the game plan together. Everybody's kind of giving Bilacek credit. And I find it just, it, 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 ugh, I don't know, it's embarrassing, I think, that the uh, fact that the announcers for the Super Bowl hardly mentioned this guy. I mean, if this was Matt Patricia's, the defensive coordinator, they zoom in on his stupid fucking beard with a pencil in his ear like 500 times during every New England Patriots game talking about how he's the next big hot head coaching candidate and Mac Patricia's done this, he's done that, he's this great defensive coordinator. Flora's got like zero fucking airtime during a Super Bowl, maybe a minute. And um, it, it just – I hope he proves everybody wrong. I kind of like it. We talked about this before, Sam, that we've gone out and been victims of going to get – The hot name, the big commodity, the Adam Gase, the QB whisperer, Joe Philbin, the offensive coordinator that technically didn't even coordinate the offense for the Packers – but it's nice to go get this guy that is long and tooth in the league. He's done everything from offense to scouting to defense to special teams. He's very well rounded, and he discussed that in his interview. And he finds that's going to be helpful uh, during the season. And we, I think we agree. I know I do. I agree, Sam. We talked about on our show how Gase neglected the defense. He just yeah, he went off and scrib fake scribbled on a piece of paper and didn't pay attention and just delegated to Matt Burke. And that's just not the way you do things as a head coach. You have to be the head. Of both, or all three phases of the game special teams, defense, and offense. Um, So I I feel like he'll be able to do that and he'll connect with the players. He's demanding, but also fair. And that's what you need from a head coach this day and age. And uh, I am also proud, Sam, that we have the only black GM. Uh, in the league and we have hired our first minority coach in uh, our our franchise history Um, it is kind of a cool thing to see steven ross do that and he got wrongfully shit on by the new york times or some bullshit um media for faking this like it's he gave him a five-year contract like what the fuck are you talking about this guy's obviously well-rounded and deserving of a head coaching job and i think he's a great fit
0: No, I, you know, look, it's, it's not the, uh, the top story or the lead story as it comes to this, as it comes, uh, for the Miami Dolphins hiring a minority, um, gm and a minority head coach but it is something where you kind of tip your cap and go okay you know look they've they've done something here you know that's significant for the miami dolphins franchise because at some point in history uh if we're talking about sports history somebody's going to look back and it's going to be a trivia question you know who was the first minority head coach for all all the nfl teams that are out there and uh yeah for that brian flores actually is going to be in the history books for the miami dolphins so you know kudos for him to that i mean i'm, I'm sure he's got to be proud of that his heritage and his family and, and his roots and all that fun stuff well um, and and i'll tell you, Sam,
1: and and, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I lived in South Florida, born there and raised there. South Florida is far from all white. Right. It's very, very far from it. It's very much a melting pot. I went to school in Lake Worth, Florida in Green Acres, Florida where there was five white kids in my class and there's Haitians, there's Puerto Ricans, there's Cubans, everybody. And you know what? That helped me in life because I've never met a stranger. I grew up with everybody was just my friends. I didn't look at them as my Cuban friend or my Puerto Rican friend. They're just my friends. And that is a very diverse melting pot of a community down there south of Jupiter, Florida on down. It's just you never know who you're going to run into where they're from and what their story is and you have a Honduran uh head coach now that's gonna be a part of that community is the same way that manny diaz was a huge hire i think for the miami hurricanes it's very important for that kind of community and being the first uh, honestly it was too long but don shula coach for 80 years so it's hard to kind of get anybody else in there but uh I, I think it's important i think it's nice and especially for that community it's even bigger than uh than normal
0: yeah, no, I think, you know, from a player standpoint, you know, physically looking at your coach and seeing somebody that you can identify with uh, it, as, as on a race standpoint makes total sense. You know, and and people can kind of poo poo that if you want. But uh, there is some significance there. He's young enough. He's 37 years old. You know, Adam Gase is young, too, but he can relate to players, in my opinion. And that's something that we need. That's something that uh, I think a head coach uh, needs, especially if he's brand new. You, know, you don't want to hire a 58-year-old first-time head coach who's out of touch by, you know, by the time that's even happened. So uh, he does check a lot of boxes here. You mentioned Matt Patricia, and I just have to get this off my chest. Matt Patricia looks like the assistant soccer coach who gets to the practice on Wednesdays and puts out the little short cones to make the little makeshift uh, soccer field. <laughs> He's wearing how, sandals. Yeah, that's how he conducts himself. That's how he dresses. That's how he just fucking walks around life. He looks like the Wednesday night practice cone guy that's what he looks like to me um i just i I just see the guy you know wearing his fucking athletic pants that he hasn't done anything athletic in for the last 35 years a big baggy ass hoodie and fucking terrible hair and beard and he's just walking around dropping cones making a a, you know a crooked rectangle of a soccer field for the kids on wednesday night
1: and he's like in a co-ed bowling league and he doesn't even like bowling but they got cheaper beer that night
0: yeah, he, he's the guy that thinks he's into craft beer, but really is just drinking something that's branded by Coors under a different name. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's that guy. Killian's. Yeah, exactly. So, um, this but, is uh, Irish beer. I'm very sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they probably give that out as part of the promotion we were talking about for how, how to sell season tickets next year when we are tanking. And I, uh, I got to give shout out to all the citizens of Perfectville. By the way, you are listening to Welcome to Perfectville. You can find us on Welcome to WelcomeToPerfectville.com, and we are a part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Perfectville Pod, uh, where we did have a lot of people giving us ideas for what the Miami Dolphins can do Ooh. for their minor league, uh, you know, ballpark um, promotions next year. But one of them I wanted to shout out as we always do on itunes apple podcasts uh dolphin ray who's actually given us uh five-star reviews in the past but yeah. he says here's the promotion for the next two years the theme would be 2020 the first twenty thousand fans will get to punch td on his bill 20 times all out <laughs> dan campbell um i would actually go to a game if i could just punch that stupid mascot in the face 20 times i, I actually would pay a, a full price ticket to go do that so that would actually get me there so there you go dolphin ray thank you very much um you know, speaking of the Miami Dolphins next year and in 2020, you know, we do have a new head coach. We do have a new head, you know, uh, coaching staff. Um, we have a new, basically, look, new era. And part of that, as we had alluded to on either the last episode or the episode before, is that Ryan Tannehill is not in the books. He's not, you know, he's not in the cards to be on the Miami Dolphins under Brian Flores. Um, reports are now coming out, Chris, that we are planning to cut him. You know, and we'll cut him in the new year, the new fiscal year for the NFL. And I want to—I I don't remember the guy's name, but on reddit he was giving us shit because we talked about this on the last episode of perfectville and he was saying well you know you guys are jumping the gun you don't know what's going on it's kind of like shut up dude we know exactly what's going on we're plugged into this team we understand we could read the tea leaves ryan tannehill is not for the miami dolphins uh short near or long-term future he's gone um With that being said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on Ryan Tannehill because I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, But where do the Miami Dolphins go, in your opinion? Uh, Are we going Kyler Murray in the draft? Are we going with a veteran? You know, you and I talked about Nick Foles in the past, but I think Nick Foles is looking to find a a situation where, he A, he can be a starting quarterback, B, make a lot of money, and C, uh, show and prove to the world that he can actually be a competitor, that he can actually lead a team back to the playoffs and into the Super Bowl and not just be the super sub. Um, So if he's off the books, what do you see for the Miami Dolphins in terms of a veteran. I mean, uh, I, I, assuming, you know, the Brock Osweilers and the other veteran quarterbacks that have been here over the last couple of years, Jay Cutler, uh, are not going to come back either. I mean, is there a name out there that, that uh, you think would actually make sense for the Miami Dolphins to, to plug in as a veteran? Well,
1: I, w- I won't take credit of this being uh original thought. I had seen this out there, but it's not talked about a lot. But I could see someone like a Ryan Fitzpatrick
0: being mm. brought
1: in, uh, fits Fitzmagic. magic. Yeah, Harvard guy knows his place in the league. Will be competitive. Guys will rally behind him. It, they. It won't. Hundred percent send a message that we're tanking because he will be competitive and he will run around for yards and uh, the, the the Grants and the Wilsons of the world will love him because he'll extend plays and hit them deep on just miraculous crazy throws. He'll also fumble a lot, get sacked a lot, throw a lot of picks, but it won't just be like David Fails going out there where you're just like, why would I buy tickets to this game unless they're having minor league attractions prior? Um, it, it's a guy that's going to come in and yeah, you'll pay him the vet minimum or maybe a little bit more and we will just literally Tell him, Ryan. You get to go out there and it's your last hurrah. Go have fun. You get to live in Miami. Uh, Probably shave the beard. It's it's really hot down there. Josh Sitton will tell you. And uh, fuck it, just go wing it. Throw it to Devontae Parker. Throw it up to him. You know, make some guys look good. And uh, and then we have the opportunity to draft a guy, young guy, maybe a Kyler Murray, maybe uh, you know Will Greer later in the draft this year, or, or we're just fully in tank for Tua mode or looking at that 2020 uh, from uh, the 2020 draft of quarterbacks. And w- that we're just going to lay our head on that. Who knows? I mean, it, Chris Greer has a plan. Um, it most more than likely meddles with Brian Flores, plan as well. Um, we're if Kyler Murray's there at 13 and they've had interviews with this guy and they've talked to him and really f- talked to his family and his coaches and find he loves football and this Talk with the, uh, you know, do I go baseball? Do I not? He keeps leaning towards football. He's been announced today. He's going to the NFL Combine. So for him to do that, he's undersized. Do we take a chance on him? I don't know. But as far as the rookies and the drafts, I have no idea where we're going with that. But I can see a name like a Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in and just telling him to go fuck it, have a fun time.
0: I like the Ryan Fitzpatrick blast because it also allows for him and Minka to have the Fitzmagic show at halftime, which could be another promotion for their minor league (laughs) promotion. They do a magic show at halftime. Yeah, yeah. What they'll do is. Sweaty Under Armour. Yeah, they'll just go out there. Ryan will go and and throw a ball. And then right before it gets caught by Minka Fitzpatrick, it'll just disappear. And then they'll both bow. And then they'll tie rings together and untie them together. And it'll be a big trapeze artist halftime show. And then uh, they go back in and they'll lose 42 to nothing to the New York Jets or whoever it is that we're playing. That week, I wish so. they would fully
1: buy into that. Can you imagine if, like, on both sides of the ball, so make as M- a pick six, and all of a sudden he pulls, like, you know, a magic wand out of his sock, and he, like, moves it a little bit and turns it into flowers, and he gives it to somebody in the f- r- front row. <laughs> and then, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick runs, like, scrambles around and runs a 10-yard touchdown, and he pulls out, like, you know, he grabs the football, and he goes, oh, with his hands, to so, like, a little kid in the front row, and he reaches behind his ear and pulls out this gigantically, comically huge, Sharpie and signs the football and gives it to him and he just like you know does the magic fingers has white gloves on like that, I wish they would just do that it would be fucking hilarious.
0: Do you remember at WrestleMania nine at Caesar's Palace when Doink was facing Crush and then all of a sudden Crush was about to win and then a second Doink appeared and beat up <laughs> Crush with a fake arm and then the two Doinks did the weird mirror thing where they were doing the same exact thing and pantomiming each other. That's My, what I want to see yep. the fit. Yeah, I just want to see the Fitz Magic Brothers do that. I want to see somebody throw a touchdown or or get a pick six and the other one runs up and they do the weird mirror. Hand things where it's like they're the same person they're doing it um you know what would be cool here's what I would do if I was Miami Dolphins and I would completely play it straight the entire time I would never admit to tanking at all I'd be like we're not tanking we're putting our best foot forward we're going to try to make the playoffs this year and then I just wouldn't sign a quarterback at all (laughs) I I wouldn't draft The just whatever he's just he's just you know what he's just snapping the ball to nothing. It's just going under the field and it's just a big pile of smear the queer on every single snap. Just
1: launching 30 yard long <laughs> snaps every time.
0: <laughs> That's what I'd like to see. And then just, you know, no, that we thought it was a good game plan. I don't know what went wrong. We, uh, we executed. They just beat us out there. Uh, good, good, you know, good on them to the uh, so Arizona Cardinals. or whatever.
1: Now that you said that, holy shit. Could you imagine? So you put Wilson and Grant in the slot, but you face them backwards and uh, like a full sprint stance Denny snaps it just as far as he can, and how do you defend it? It's like it's you give them about – by the time they get to the ball and scoop it up, you'll have about 40 yards of um, separation, and you got, what, defensive linemen running towards you. Meanwhile, the defensive backs and linebackers are completely confused. They have no idea what's going on. No way they're staying in their lanes. It probably opens up a huge opportunity for a kickoff-like return. Uh, I actually That's- need to see that play. I might try it in my – my, uh, <laughs> (laughs) My kids my kids league next year. Everybody be just like, What the fuck? And then my fastest kids run back, pick up the ball, XFL style, and then some undisciplined defender is gonna be out of his lane and he's gonna return it for a long uh, what run running touchdown? I guess
0: <laughs> that's what I would do. I mean, I'd put Joakim Grant back there and be like, "Look, just pretend you're returning punts again." And then John De- Don- John Denny just snaps that thing forty five yards back. He picks it up. He starts running. And uh, hey, who knows? A negative twenty yards means a net twenty yards running, uh, which would be a positive on some level, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but no, that's what I do. I just wouldn't draft a quarterback. I wouldn't sign a quarterback. I wouldn't trade for one. I wouldn't even put one on the roster. I'm just like, nope. This not- is this how we're gonna we're gonna change the game. And, uh, and just, just nine watch quarter- everyone.
1: Nine running backs.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just everyone's confused. Everyone's like, so what happened out there? What do you mean? I thought we played well. <laughs> just stuff like that. And by the way, Kyler Murray, here are his options, by the way. He can be drafted by the Miami Dolphins, which is not an, you know, an enviable position to be in. Or he can go to baseball, where he was drafted by the Oakland freaking A's. I mean, t- think about <laughs> this guy. He's an elite athlete, where he's going to be drafted by two different sports franchises. But they're both shit shows, the Oakland Athletics and the Miami Dolphins. I mean, what did this poor kid do uh, to get saddled? with this fate. No wonder he doesn't know if he wants to go to football or baseball. It's kind of like, well, do you want to die by a 1,000 paper cuts or do you want to die by sliding down a rusty razor blade into a pool of acid? It's your choice, Kyler. You know what I mean? So uh, hopefully that kid gets, uh, gets gets a chance to actually perform one way or the other because I, he's not going to be winning anytime soon, either sport.
1: I, I can see him doing a press conference, and he's like, breaking news, I just want to let everybody know here so the rumors are stopped. Um, I'm not playing football. And everybody's like, whoa, my God, Oakland. I-. And he's like, and – I want to let you know I'm also not playing baseball. And they're like, what? And then he just like pulls out a nine iron. Tiger Woods comes out and puts his arm around him. He's his new like protege. And he's just good at golf, too, and we didn't know it. And he's going to go join the PGA Tour. Well,
0: oh, that would be better than what I was thinking. And he's going, like, you know what? I'm going to declare for the NBA draft. And the Cavaliers are like, we can use you. And he's like, you know what? I'm retired. I'm retired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm
1: going to get into architecture. Fuck yeah, this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we talked about the quarterback situation. Obviously, the head coach situation has been um, – taken care of uh, he's still building his staff brian flores coach flow i guess is what we're going to be calling him. oh go, no go with the flow. Uh, I, I hate it we're going to have progressive stadium exactly. is about to be
1: our, our stadium's name
0: you know how many times as we start to get better are people going to make that joke about how flow is getting progressive and all this awful <laughs> mo- it's going to be awful you're going to see photos.
1: let's just hire uh mayhem to be our quarterback
0: there you go. Yeah, at least he, uh, at least he can. I don't know. You know, break a few. You basically
1: had mayhem as, as our quarterback for the last since Marino retired. So, um, get auto insurance or uh, be at the Dolphins' quarterback and cause mayhem like me, and just have Tannehill just throwing picks and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that being said, uh, one of the things that you and I have to do, we talked about the quarterback, we talked about the coach, not on this episode, but soon you and I are going to have to break down the roster as we see it today, keep or cut as we've always done. I also would like to see if we could actually make some snap decisions on the draft class of this last year, who was who was a boom, who was a bust. I know it's only been one year, and the the rule of thumb is that you wait three years to judge a draft class, but we don't have three years to waste here, ladies and gentlemen. We've uh, been patient enough. We want to call who's a boom, who's a bust after one year in the draft, so we're going to be doing those episodes of Perfect Will here before too long. Uh, Chris, anything else going on with the Miami Dolphins? I mean, we had a flurry of news earlier this week, obviously, with the uh, long-anticipated Official announcement of Brian Flores being our head coach, but uh, it's something that we've known for a long time. We've been talking about that here since really December of 2018. Is there any other news that I'm missing about the Miami Dolphins? Um, nope, I don't think so. Wait. Uh, <laughs>
1: He caught me so off guard there. I'm like, oh I
0: wasn't. I wasn't trying to set you up or anything. I was just like, honestly asking. Um, oh, well, we haven't talked about Jim, Cal- Jim Caldwell. I know you wanted to talk
1: about that before the show oh. about having a rookie head coach and having a. Head coach with them. We haven't had
0: that before. Yeah, you're right. I did want to talk about Jim Caldwell. And I wanted to. uh, There's an article that Armando Salgaro actually put out, which, you know, love him or hate him. But it was an interesting take in that one of the things that Brian Flores has done or is looking to do that other rookie head coaches for the Miami Dolphins really did not do is surround himself with former head coaches uh, and in this case Jim Caldwell who's actually coached both the Detroit Lions and the Indianapolis Colts and uh, rumors of Dom capers coming in who obviously mm. was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans so you have two guys in their 60s uh, who have coached multiple head you know multiple multiple teams in the NFL who have had success of varying degrees in the NFL as a head coach who have come up against different things you know, common themes that head coaches have to come up against. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is Armando had mentioned that uh, one of the quotes that he had from Adam Gase was that Adam Gase says – when you get up in the morning, you go to the office, and you have to deal with 15 fires that you have to put out. Once those unexpected fires are put out, then you can become a head coach. And you look at Adam Gase's staff, he really didn't have anybody who had head coaching experience other than his father-in-law, Joe Vitt, who was an interim head coach for the New Orleans Saints like back in 2012 for a few games. So that doesn't really count. And then if you look at Joe Philbin, he really didn't have anybody either after his buddy was fired after the first season. So Joe Philbin was sitting there with nobody on his staff who ever had head coaching experience. Uh, Adam Gase had the same exact problem. And then you look at Tony Sperano, who had Dan Henning, but he was a head coach back when I think footballs were still made out of stone. So that doesn't <laughs> really count. And from and from what I read, it wasn't even his pick. It was somebody that Bill Parcell basically insisted that he hire. So it wasn't like they had this relationship where he could talk to him and say, how do I handle this or how do I handle that? So uh, the hypothesis behind this whole thing is that Brian Flores is being smart and that, yes, he is promoting a bunch of, of young people who have never been offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and stuff like that with Chad O'Shea and some of these other folks. Um, but he's also looking to hire some some seasoned veterans who have been around the NFL. I mean, Dom Capers has been our defensive coordinator here before. Uh, Dom right. Capers has been with the Packers. He's been with, I mean, just about every single team, uh, so much so that he's coming back to work for the Miami Dolphins, it looks like. um <laughs> You know He's hiring some people on his staff that, like I said, have had success as a head coach, have had failures as a head coach, and can pull from that information and say, you know what, Brian, if you go down this path, it's not going to work. Or, you know what, this is how I would handle this over here, and that's how I had success in Carolina. And Jim Caldwell can say yay or nay as well. So I do think that's an interesting take. You know, not just getting young, up-and-coming people that understand where the game of football is going in 2019 and beyond, but getting some of these people that just had the ability to be a head coach, lead grown, lead grown men on the field uh, and and say, look, this is how you have to handle this, or this is why you shouldn't handle this. If you get caught, you know, dealing with these issues, it takes away from important game planning or whatever the case may be. So uh, it's kind of an interesting thought that Brian Flores seems to be uh, savvy enough to put some former head coaches on his staff.
1: You know, this is the biggest revelation for me, I think, with the Brian Flores hiring, hiring and it's the complete polar opposite again. Adam Gase and I think the thing that drove me nuts towards the end here the end game of Adam Gase with the Miami Dolphins was his stubbornness that he was just refusing to change he was uh, refusing to you know do anything other than his way Um, and Brian Flores meanwhile is going to come in he's not too proud to bring these old-timey vets that have had experience uh, and success but here's my most important part, I think, Sam. They've had failures. Yeah, They've had failures. Jim Caldwell has been called into an office, and he's been fucking fired as a head coach. He has been fired as a head coach. He has failed. And Brian Flores is bringing him in there, and some people see that as a negative. Oh, no, you're going to bring a fired head coach on your team, and you're going to take advice from him? Yeah, yeah, you are. Because you learn from those mistakes, then he's going to look back and tell him he's like, "God damn it, Brian! If I went back in time, I would do this, this, and this different. Here's what I do. You got to listen to the owner when it comes to this, this, and this, and make sure that the team's ready for XX and X. You know, like if you watch the tape, uh, it was posted on Reddit on on the NFL subreddit today. Uh, Bill Belichick was complaining to the head referee before the Super Bowl that the roof was
0: open. Shocking.
1: Yeah, and he's like, uh, "What's this? Why is the roof open?" He's like, "Well, look, they're gonna do a flyover, and we're gonna do a fucking flyover in a dome. The fans can't see it, so we're gonna open the roof." And he's like, "Well, now we got wind. Wind is in in play here now." And the guy's like, "Look, chill. It takes like eight minutes to close. They're gonna close it as soon as the flyover happens." And Belichick's legitimately going over to a special teams coach, and he's like, "Look." Uh, wind might possibly be a factor. We have to think about this and let's just kick it this way in case we have to worry about that. Like he is m- meticulous about every little detail. And Brian Flores has been under that tree branch for de- over a decade. Yeah. So you're going to bring in a guy like a Jim Caldwell and a Dom Capers who have both succeeded and failed in the NFL, and he's not too proud to have them come in, and he's going to pick their brains. What should I do? What do you think? Let's be perfectionists on this. But he's also going to have the Patrick Grahams and the Chad O'Shea's, the young, up-and-coming guys. Uh, Chad O'Shea was the wide receiver coach for the Patriots and has made fucking chicken soup out of chicken shit. Every year, since we can remember Sam, they is a different set of wide receivers every year, and he just, without fail, gets success out of them. He's now our, our offensive coordinator, rumored to be. And then you have Patrick Graham from... from- The Packers. Brett Flores isn't a dumb guy. He played football at Boston College. I mean, that is a very elite educational school to both be a student athlete at, and he's been under the lineage of uh, Bill Belichick doing multitude of jobs. Him bringing in Caldwell and Campers, uh, Capers, (laughs) Campers. I like Capers. Me too, Campers. You bring him in, camp out we in the Midnight Oil. They're in there at 6 a.m. Tuesday morning breaking down the roster. These guys mean business. He's not coming in here to tank. He's not coming in here to fail. He's coming in here taking on the task that he knows is difficult. We're beyond now knowledge throughout the league and the national media, local media, that the Dolphins are. It's just a basket case of a franchise at this point. So to take this job, you know what you're up against. You've been given a five-year guarantee from Stephen Ross. He's doing things differently. Here it is. Here's the reins. Go do it, and he is bringing in the
0: guys, and I'm liking what he's done so far. Yeah, you know how uh, like in the end zones they'll put those big like billboards for the different players. Like it'll say like you know <laughs> Marino's minions or something like that. <laughs> yeah. We should have a bunch. We should have a bunch of doll fans next year that dress up like they're going camping, and they could be cap- <laughs> capers campers. <laughs> capers campers. Capers <laughs> campers. I
1: love it. <laughs> they're all wearing like the, the the big hats and like they got like fanny packs and the the fly uh, fly fishing jackets, like the vests that have all yeah. the
0: lures on them. Yeah. Yeah, and then they just uh, they have little axes that they get to just smack each other in the head with or something like that. Yeah, that would be good. Capers, campers. Well, Chris, with that, uh, we, we, we've talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. I think we've talked about everything you wanted to talk about. Um, uh, the citizens of Perfect Bill, I think we've, we've, they've listened to everything they wanted to listen about. So, uh, you know, on behalf of Chris Cullen and Sam Marcoux and the entire DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later. Uh, but speaking of Dom Capers, he's been a head coach, as we talked about. Something else I do want to bring up, Ron Flores, you actually brought this up, but uh, every head coach has their little tick. They have their little ism, uh, and we've seen it over the years, whether it's Adam Gase with the crazy eyes, or if it was uh, Nick Saban with the I, because he used to say I after every little thing. He'd say, we're going to go out there, we're going to win, I. And then you'd have uh, Dave Sitz, Dave Wonstadt, who uh, famously would just say standpoint all the time. And from a defensive standpoint, from an office, offensive <laughs> standpoint, from a standing-in standpoint, you know, it it was just ridiculous how these guys would say all these things. And, of course, you had Tony Sperano, who would uh, you know, basically do backflips and, and hold a ticker, ta- ticker tape parade every single time a, a field goal was kicked. Um, but you had mentioned that Brian Flores has those ticks already, and that's the, that's the sign of a great Miami Dolphins head coach, is that if you can sit in, the, in one press conference and already pick up on one of these little isms uh, that he has. So I'm going to give the floor to you, Chris. Uh, w- what is it that you picked up on with Brian Flores, Coach Flo, in his first press conference for the Miami Dolphins?
1: You're going to hate me, man, but I totally forgot. Good. Well, goodbye from Perfectville.
0: <laughs> you're Kill me. That's why it's a podcast. What's going? On? I, I, totally, I totally forgot. What was his ism? You said that he was doing something, and you're like, you know, Adam Gase has the crazy eyes, and he didn't have the crazy eyes, but he kept saying a certain thing, and then he said he didn't want to tell me because he didn't want to spoil it until we got on the air.
1: Oh, I think I already did it. I did the whole repeating thing.
0: Oh, I don't think he talked about that yet.
1: Yeah, I talk, uh, yeah, I talked oh. about how like he kept repeating like my type of players, my type of guys. You know, they they're in the locker room, they're watching tape, they practice as hard as they play. And oh. I was like, next question.
0: Yeah, sorry, I already oh, fuck it. Well, then we'll just. Uh...
1: I winged it, and then, uh, my bad, I, I didn't that's wait why. for the cue. We'll
0: just cut the whole thing. It's no big deal. So. <laughs> fuck it, let's start over. <laughs> Welcome
1: to Perfect Village, number one podcast for your number four Miami Dolphins. I'm Chris Cullen. I'm here with the
0: zero-time, zero-time Hall of Famer, Sam Arcu. Sam, how the fuck are you? I just love the fact that you've done every single show with me, and you called it the number one podcast for the number four Dolphins. Uh, that was fantastic. That's going to be that's gonna be an Easter egg at the end of the show, which actually, <laughs> everyone's listening to this right now. They're going to hear this as part. That's a weird, weird. Uh, Time warp there I'm going to put that in at the end After we always say goodbye That was good Um, So I'll just wrap us up I'll cut all this last part (laughs) Sorry man man. Who cares Who cares So Thank you for listening To Believe You can show support to your host By subscribing to the show And giving us a five star rating On your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com And search for B-L-E-A-V On YouTube